the world is full of wonders. Magic is hidden in small moments. And monsters could be hiding just out of sight. But if you're looking to find them, adventure is waiting to happen. You never know who you'll meet along the way. We are the Storyteller Squad. Adventurers, welcome back to the Storyteller Squad. Thanks for joining us for more Monster of the Week here in Autumn Falls. This week's introductions are a tasty treat from Bethany Miller. Hi all, it's me, the beloved Bethany Miller. As you can see before me, I have seven lovely drinks provided by my co-workers from left to right. A classic black coffee, slightly bitter and withholding secrets, but if you take a sip, it's got a hint of cream and sugar because he's nicer than we all think. It's Agent Lonnie Whitaker. Next, we have a chai latte. Unassuming, quiet, you think nothing on it when scrolling through the menu, but secretly it packs a flavorful punch and it's one of our best menu items. Don't tell him I said that. It's Hugo Rashad. Next, we have the fall classic. This pumpkin spice latte warms you up on a cold day hold some wholesome goodness, and rock those fall colors. Now you may be asking, Bethany, are you mean enough to put out a pumpkin spice latte and call one of our hunters basic? And yes, yes I am, because she's basically the best, Aiden Brightwood. Beside it, sitting very close, very, very close, we have a matcha latte. Matcha is notably one of the edgier flavors in appearance and reputation, but the second you try it, you realize it's mild, comforting, and always good to have around. It's Raven Eugenia. And in one of our tall sizes, the smallest size of the store, we have a unicorn frap. Sugary, sweet, pastel cottagecore aesthetics, hard to find in most of our stores due to its magical tastes, and altogether much more caffeinated than you initially anticipated, it's Felicity Starnbrook. Then we have one of our uh, more interesting creations behind the counter. A hot chocolate, three espresso shots to give it some extra spunk, a pump of every single different flavor syrup we have, good God. Good in small doses, but better in large ones. We have our resident demon and my bestie, director Damien Edgecrest. And finally, who am I? Why, look no further than the Trenta Berry Hibiscus Refresher. Bright pink, over-caffeinated, first an acquired taste, then an unfortunate addiction. It's me, Bethany Miller, and welcome to the Storyteller Squad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was incredible. I need good. all of those drinks now. <laughs> <laughs> you you need most of those drinks now. Uh, well, you don't I necessarily need, I need, need all one. of the scoops. Good God! <laughs> <laughs> I've heard the uh, every drink in one cup referred to as the graveyard drink. <laughs> Wait, really? That's a real thing. That's awesome. Well, we're gonna get graced with two intros because I wrote poems about exactly what's happening. So we're gonna f- use that as sort of a stand-in for the basic summary to catch us all up. So, life on the line, in pajamas this time, but our man will be fine, so long as he's rescued by a lime slime, Agent Whittaker. <laughs> and Emery has left he the Zoom left call. The <laughs> I tripped on the way out. <laughs> Welcome to the game, Agent Whittaker. Worried? No, that's just my face. When the chips are down, let's hope this nerd's our ace, Hugo Rashad. Her friend is a magical rabbit. 
fueling her passionate conspiracy habit. The pressure is on, girl, so don't miss your chance. Grab it, Raven Eugenia. And remember the slime? Well, he's here to kick ass. And chew bubblegum, play baseball, and roll in the grass? Someone get that summer camp for sure away from Damien Edgecrest. Fresh off a hot date, not afraid to be out late. She's ready to spill secrets right out the gate. There's a lot on her plate, but she's still doing great. Bethany Miller. She might have a headache, but there's a heck of a lot of stake. Let's see if her magic gets the whisper to break their traditional kill order before it's too late. Felicity Starnbrook. You can't send her home. She's a vagabond angel, which is normally cool, but right now she's in hell. No, wait, heaven. And it's hell again. Okay, let's get her rescued. This sucks. Agent Brightwood needs some heroes. Lin-Manuel Miranda, move over. (laughs) (laughs) So, in case you can't discern from context clues or by listening to the last recording, our heroes were abducted by members of Hugo's group, The Whispered. Agent Whitaker, who discovered the underground complex beneath the Autumn Falls Natural History Museum, was taken by two Whispered agents to be brought in for the tribunal that Joseph Argyle said would be happening soon. Also abducted was Aiden Brightwood, as she tried to defend Hugo from being taken. She was captured by two of the Whispered members who found her and engaged. And she was taken prisoner by a Whispered scientist who is intent on both sending her back where she belongs, aka not the Earth, and also in the process using her celestial energy to fuel some trap devices that he's been using to very quickly and efficiently take out monsters or spirits. The remaining trio, along with our favorite demon Damien, have banded together on a rescue mission to try and prevent the unthinkable as the whispered hold a vote to determine whether they will eliminate the witness that is Agent Whitaker, and in so doing have now made themselves witnesses. So this is going to be an interesting session. <laughs> they were if able we to, get caught. If you get caught, which you're about to barge into a room with a member in it. So we left off specifically as Felicity used her magic to knock the door down of the lab where Aiden is being held in this energy draining device. We'll pick up there, but we have some beginning of mystery rolls to make, Felicity and Raven. So for Connect the Dots, (laughs) I rolled a 12. Sweet, so I get to hold three. You'll probably want to save those questions, but do remember to ask them when they seem appropriate. Felicity, I heard a a dismayed exclamation from you. I had a five. five. (laughs) That means you get a bad vision, and I get to hold another three. uh, It levels up! (laughs) (laughs) always good to start a session with experience we'll see what vision i decide to give you i think it makes not a whole lot of narrative sense to just hit you with one right now as you finish the last one you had so let's pick up right there you guys have knocked the door down with felicity's force push and aiden is there trapped we're barging in (laughs) damien is disguised as the guy that they tied up Outside oh, the whispered member that he kidnapped. Okay. With a mask off or on? On. Dr. Singh spins around as the door in pieces breaks apart on the ground. And he says, uh, what is the meaning of this? Damien's going to look him dead in the eyes, have his eyes flash green. And we're going to try to convince him to set you free. Ten. Just when you mm. need it. Green flash in his eyes, and his, like, on-edge posture relaxes. What can I do for you? Our orders are to set this one free, 
is there anything like cool or interesting or shiny in this room? That, there are like, so many interesting shiny things. There are things glowing, there are things sparkling, there are beakers bubbling. This is classic mad science lab with an occult twist. So there's like also jars of bat wings and frog eyes and like magical ingredients on top of Bunsen burners and stuff. And we also need you to start work on destroying the research that you gained from our subject here because we don't want it to fall into any enemy hands and be used against us. Wait, first, can we look at the research? I don't want to do the research, but if we destroy every single observation that was gone down, this just, it gives us a mechanism to potentially repeat it. I'll describe the different, like, evidence that might exist in this room. There is certainly a chalkboard with some equations and diagrams on it. There is some, like, stacks of paper that have little notes and tabs on them with highlighted marks and things. And there are the trap devices, which again are in these receptacles with wire that then links into the machine that Aiden is strapped to and having her energy siphoned into them. So those are the like technology that's being created in this lab right now. And then there's the paper and the pseudoscience magical math happening on the chalkboard. Perfect. So in that case, orders are to get this one released from here so we can escort her to a safer location. Two, uh, my associates here are going to gather information along for the journey. So you can just assist or point out a couple things that would be useful. Then afterwards, you can clean this place up. It's uh, really, really messy. You can see what that door did in here. The green fades from his eyes and he, he nods. Yes, you... You should take her. I, I do not understand. She is not being sent back to her own realm. It is, uh, I, I, she is a puzzle for sure. That's, and, that's where we've got to get her to that more secure <laughs> location. Yeah, so he'll go over and like release Aiden's restraints, but she's like not moving. She's out or um, at least weakly conscious. Can I do magic to try to heal her a little bit? Sure. Do the three of us all, Raven's going to like rush up to, as he's undoing the restraints, like rush up to try and get her down. Okay. Oh God, what is wrong with me today? Wait, okay, wait, that's five. <laughs> Just kidding, it's an eight. Wait, is eight, no, eight's still bad. Eight is a mix. Eight's eight is not bad. a total success. Yes. Are you going to use magic to heal someone? Yes. What is the glitch that happens? I'll take one harm. That makes the most sense since you're already experiencing this like terrible migraine. Yeah. And like all the flashing in here and everything is like making it worse. Dr. Singh turns the machine off. You get her down and she's alive, but not really with it yet. You're like one burst of healing. <sighs> and she sees that it's you, Felicity. She's got extreme muscle fatigue from being basically electrocuted for the last 30 minutes and she goes to like touch your face misses her arm just collapses and she falls off the thing but you guys obviously are there to catch her you see dr singh like he he goes over to the chalkboard and he picks up the thing that will erase all the equations do you guys do anything to stop that or because bethany you were saying you wanted the research is there like equations if he had, like, a notebook of research, I was going to say Raven would nab that. Uh, yeah, taking yeah, a picture that. of the chalkboard is a good idea. There, yeah, there is a... a okay, good. so Bethany snaps a pick. He then erases it. Raven, there is a, a notebook 
Some of them look like copies maybe of his handwritten cipherings and others are just new information that he's scribbled down in the moment. There's a lot of it. So I would say you could grab like the main notebook, uh, which might not contain everything, but it will certainly have some things within it. Yeah, don't uh, grab whatever like loose papers are around and shove them in the notebook and then just take the bulk. And the as he's like grab. erasing the chalkboard, he's got this puzzled look on his head. He keeps like scratching his like short, neatly trimmed white beard. It does not make sense. She should go back to wherever. Ruth, you've been compromised. You can, you know where they're having that tribunal. Yes, of uh, course. We should go. From some of these things, we're just trying to wrap things up and try to keep this on the... We know how important your work is, Doctor. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It is uh and he actually turns around and like checks Aiden's pulse. She will be fine. And he's just like puzzled essentially. Um, Raven is staring daggers at him when he tries to touch <laughs> her again. Do you stop him as he like approaches you guys? I think she'd like have a hand on her knife and like see mm. what he does. And if it's just touch her and like check her pulse, she won't do anything, but she is like staring at him like try yeah, anything. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he doesn't approach in like a, a threatening way also yeah. because of damien's mm-hmm. magic but he he like approaches the way a doctor would he like takes his pen light out of his pocket and is like checking her pupils and things whatever mm-hmm. and uh yeah so as soon as he like has erased the thing and goes over to his computer and like basically deletes a bunch of files on it he then goes over to the uh, chalkboard and starts like writing again I will clean up in the moment. And he's like now writing more equations, but mostly it's like sentences where he's just like, could not banish despite maximum output, greater yield on traps. Like he's, he's just now like taking notes on what he's just experienced, which counts as new research. And so he doesn't have to destroy that. That's fine. I could, I could let him have that one. But as you guys leave him to that, you turn around and there are two figures in the doorway. I can only do, like, one at a time! So, the two figures in the doorway are this sleight-of-frame woman with just, like, a halter top in black and loose baggy pants, and then a a gentleman in the blackout suits. And, Damien, you recognize him. It's the same guy that came to the camper. Mm. Um, And so the two of them are just standing in the doorway. The guy has his tanfas out, and the, the girl starts to, like, run her hand along these tattoos and they start to glow a little bit with like an amber color. If any of you are looking specifically at her eyes, you see they catch the light very reflectively. Let's pick up with Agent Whitaker and Hugo Rashad. You two are in the tribunal chamber, that low dais with the high walls with balcony seating for the different elders of the Whispered. After that like long period of screams from someone and Hugo's stomach sinking being like, oh crap, they have her. A few moments later, there is a loud bang as the elders are quietly conversing amongst each other. And it sounds like a desk falling against a wall or being like dropped out a window. It's very loud. It's a big crash. Without being told, Haru and Zuri both give a glance at Rhea and Noriko, who are still going to stay in guard. And they both leave to go investigate what that noise is. And you do see a couple of the whispered elders. They now are talking more agitated. You can't really make out the words, but that explosion sound, there are now people arguing more so than just like talking. Argyle turns to you, Hugo. I really hope that's not what I think it is. Hugo's going to take a moment. It's going to take another moment. He's going to turn to Whitaker and ask, who took you and when did they take you? Uh, She just left about couple hours ago, maybe? What were you doing before they took you? 
sleeping. Oh, Hence no. the... Oh, he gestures no. to his pajamas. Yeah, can we get a canonical description of Whitaker's pajamas since we were goofing about it in Discord last week? <laughs> uh, it should, it, it's, it's, listen, I love, I, I would love to leave it up to the imaginations of everyone in this okay, Zoom chat. Okay, fair enough. Can we get a thread count? <laughs> in the thousands. All right. He wears wool blankets to bed. <laughs> But um, over whatever whatever warm, cozy, sexy images you brought up in your head, he does have a nice, thick bathrobe over the whole thing, which, which he grabbed when he woke up, I imagine. So some time passes. Rhea keeps glancing down that hallway where her sister and Haru ran down. What more could go wrong is the expression you're reading from her, both body language and eyes. If you look over at her, Hugo. The elders of the Whispered who have their hoods up leave the different balconies and are just gone for a moment and you see argyle sit down and just like rub it as the bridge of his nose and they all start to come in through different doors and stairs that lead up into these balconies in this big round room and they just surround you guys on the dais some of them have their like muscle that's with them others don't but they all sort of arrive and stop and one of the members steps forward. It's an older-sounding gentleman. He says, uh, We have deliberated, and it's fallen to me. If you've any last words or rites you'd like performed. Some of them don't react to this being voiced aloud. Some of the underlings, mentees, people like Hugo, who are in the all black with their faces covered in some way, some of them are shifting, like they're a little uncomfortable with this. This might be the first time they've actually had to like sit in on a tribunal. But this gentleman with his hood up, he's got liver spotted hands. He's probably in his late 60s. And he reaches into his robes and pulls out like a, it's a rosary that he's got like wrapped around the, the fist now and just like waits for your reply, Whitaker. Can I get a pen and paper? Argyle actually quickly hands you one. <laughs> Should I take the key? Yeah, one right on hand. That's Are um, you writing to? Are you writing to the Eastie agency? Are you writing to family? Yeah. He's composing a, a, a quick bulleted list to the Eastie agency what to do with his um, possessions and, and whatnot. Uh, and he's while he's doing this, he's looking around the entire time for any escape route out. Why don't you read a bad situation? I would love to read a bad situation. Thank you, Natalie. That's only a seven. I can still hold one. Yeah, uh, well, I only need one. What's the best way out? If you were going to make a break for it, you would probably attempt it by going down one of the hallways that was being guarded by the woman with the halter top or the man with the tanfas. Where they were standing are just empty corridors that lead somewhere, but no one is like specifically in front of those doors now. But everyone is surrounding the day. Everyone is surrounding you. You would have to like get through them somehow or... <laughs> so the, Can I ask the, the question, who looks the scrawniest? <laughs> Uh, well, there's I know very... they're like all magic users, but who right. looks the scrawniest? Right. Well, the, the two in black that were standing behind where this older gentleman came forward with the rosary and is like asking you to be like, what are your last words, kid? They look the smallest in terms of their like frame and build. One of them is a, is a young woman. While she has like a 
basically a, a veil covering her lower half of her face. The rest of her outfit is reminiscent of an apostate in like a nunnery. And the, the young guy standing next to her also looks very like, what is the, the thing they go to? Seminary? So, seminary, thank you. Yeah. Scrawny, not super, super strong or built looking guy. And his like covering is just like a, a blackout mask. And then he's got like a short sleeve black shirt and black slacks that he's wearing. His arms are actually exposed. And this guy has like a very ornate cross on one forearm. And then on the other is a sleeve that somewhat resembles Hugo's at the wrist and then goes up into a lot of different other symbols that you can't really make out at this distance. As, um, as he's writing, Whitaker looks up, can I request a trial by combat? <laughs> <laughs> Are you to by combat? Yes. Ar- Argyle coughs loudly at that. <laughs> the woman with the no, large... No, no, that's okay. That's okay. I'm just, I'm just feeling well, out my options. I was going to say, the, the woman with the large hat and the like black handkerchief, she pulls from her lap this long six-shooter with runes inscribed on the where the bolts are loaded. You're going to want it to be quick. Hugo, mm-hmm. would you like to read a bad situation? Where are you at right now? Your friend is basically... I don't know, I don't know Hugo. That's a, that's a great to gun to be killed by. <laughs> Listen, if Whitaker's going out, he's going out like magical cowboy execution style. But let's see. You don't have to read a bad situation. If you want to try and do something else, like manipulate someone, oh, protect, that's what I'm terrible protect at. someone, doesn't have to be a combat protect. I would let you do something else. In what world can I convince them to let him play one last game? That last game being the Tower of Hanoi with 65 discs. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that's experience. Oh, oh Hugo. <laughs> useless to me so what were you what bum, move bum, were you attempting to do there oh read a bad situation this situation safe as safe as anything what this you know what okay. it's gonna turn out fine yeah hugo you're not really in any danger in all this are you really the only guy who's gonna get hurt is whitaker and who needs him whitaker's not hmm. in any danger so when not you fail all. that role i get to ask questions of you oh oh what yeah what uh okay that's a new one. Oof. I didn't know that was a thing. All right, Hugo. From the perspective of the Whispered Elders, what's the best way to protect the victims? I'll let you interpret who the victims might be in this case. Say, who the elders. victims here? If the well, elders think that the victim is the order itself, if it's from Hugo's perspective specifically, it is to make some type of peace agreement or outreach program or something that does not result in them getting marked for vengeance by the Eastie Agency. Hugo is of the belief that killing him is actually going to give them more trouble than they anticipate. Speaking of more trouble, let's Mm. turn back to our rescue squad in Dr. Singh's lab. So he sees the two people on like the outside of the door and he's going to use magic to try to bar it. So he spits in his hands and and then stretches himself across the door frame in order to block the door frame <laughs> and oh, become okay. the door that was destroyed. Well, I mean, they're they're in the room. Oh, um, they're in the room with us. I yeah, can't like, wall them out. I mean, their solution would just be to like wail on you, which uh, would hopefully buy enough time for in to teleport. Well, my but friends where out. are they? Where are they gonna go? Like. 
That's, I mean, yeah, if you're banking on her teleport ability, but, like, it's not a guarantee. That's one of her moves that she has to roll for when she brings other people, and also she's barely with it right now. So you might want to try a different tack. I caught these people breaking and entering. Luckily, he points to the doctor. I got here in time to protect him, but they are not very threatening, so we're okay. Excuse me, where's the bathroom? I had to pee for the past 20 minutes. Uh, Bethany elbows Raven like, you gotta fucking say something. Raven's just holding Aiden and just, she's got nothing. Raven panics under pressure. She's gonna nod and be like, yeah. I will say that Wendy slides from in between your legs and like has one of its quills, like, I'm ready to defend you. She's just gonna reach up and try and like pet its head of like, no. No. Oh no, it's on the ground in front of you. It is oh, not, it's not on your shoulder. She's <laughs> oh, gonna reach out and try and scoop it back. I'm like, no, no, no. So the girl, who we all know is Zuri, she is like growing in size. Her upper torso is starting to sprout patches of like a reddish fur. But she says, as her like face starts to change, Papa, who are these people? Full on wear tiger when she finishes that sentence. And Dr. Singh turns from the chalkboard where he's writing, I could not, I could not banish the creature you brought in. She is not like anything we have ever seen. And the after effects of Damien's magic affecting his mind seem to have him just stuck on the supernatural puzzle that is Aiden's inability to leave the earthly realm. Now, if anyone has ever watched or seen a tiger in person, they, like most big cats, move with the same fluidity as your house cat, just a thousand pounds heavier, almost like liquid metal going from one position to the next. And that's how Zuri moves as she enters the room. She only takes two steps, but it is very intimidating. And she scans the group of you, sees Aiden hanging off of Raven's shoulder, and asks you, Damien, Where did you say you caught them? They had blown open the doors. I found them here. The man with the tomfins says, How did they blow the doors? I didn't see. They don't appear to be armed. I noticed the library passage was opened, so I came down to investigate, heard the explosion, and showed up here. He walks over to you, very tense. And gives like a look and you see his eyes go wide and he takes a leap backwards and he says, it's the shifter. <laughs> so, <laughs> Because he knows the guy that you're trying to look like. <laughs> Can I make a move? Yes, please. Yeah, please do. I'm going to do a fight move and I'm going to use something I would believe personally that Bethany would have because she just went on a Tinder date. First, I'm going to move in front of Damien. And I pull out my pepper spray. I don't think I'm close enough to either of them, but I hold it out. I'm like, I will not hesitate. And he's further into the room now. And when you say that, he doesn't drop his guard, but it significantly lowers. And he's just like, Zuri, hit the lights. And with her tail, the wire tiger flicks a switch on the wall. And the lights in the lab all turn on full brightness to illuminate you and everything in the room. And he looks at Bethany looks at Raven and Felicity, and he says, Oh, no. Raven just gives him, like, a like a sup nod. Just, like, <laughs> stares right at him, like, hey. Uh-huh. 
still just holding up Aiden. Yeah, Zuri stomps over. Which one should I take? And she's got her claws up. Like, she's ready to go because he just said, it's the shifter. And he's just like, hang on. What are you doing here? How, How are you here? I'm coming to get my friend out. And Haru looks at Raven with this incredible intensity, like suddenly he's almost being forced into the ground by this immense weight and is fighting back against it. He's shaking and he lowers his tonfas and he just says, damn it, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Damien's going to turn to face him as Dr. Singh. What can't you do? <laughs> oh, snap! And, and then he's going to turn to look at the daughter. She punches you. Uh, <laughs> That's right. That was her. She can, she can see her dad. <laughs> but, I mean, when she, with a snarl, she's just, like, bats you. Because, like, now you're trying to impersonate her family members. It's claw attack. It would be two harm. Do you reduce it all? I only reduce by one. She is using kick some ass if you want to inflict harm on her. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to do my life drain to absorb some of the energy from the punch. So one damage to her, and I will heal for one. Yeah, so like as she slashes through you, you basically just activate it on the arm that slashes through, and she pulls it away, and it's kind of smoking and burning, and she's like... <sighs> and at this point, the guy takes off his mask and like throws it to the ground and steps between Damien and Zuri, and he's like, Wait! And she says, they've seen. We should bring them to the tribunal. Get it all over with at once. And Haru just kind of glances back over his shoulder. And like, now it's his face. And he's like, you've never seen him look this way, Raven. He just says, no. And puts his defense stance up in between your little group and Zuri. So what do you guys do? You gotta convince the square tiger to back down or that what they're doing is wrong. Raven's gonna take a little step oh, okay. forward, like standing her ground kind of stance, and she's gonna mm-hmm. look at the were tiger. We're taking Aiden and we're leaving. Zuri regards you, but looks at Aiden and for the first time really sees how messed up she's doing. Go ahead and roll to manipulate someone. Eight. Okay, so that's a mix. She does look a little thrown off both by the fact that Aiden is still here and also by how rough a shape she seems to be in. This is a girl who is used to throwing those traps at a lot of supernatural enemies and they are instantly and supposedly painlessly banished away. So she slowly extends one of her large paws towards Aiden. Does it look threatening? Like, does she look like she's reaching to hurt her or? It's not threatening or sudden. She just looks like she wants a better look at Aiden who still has her head hanging down as you help to keep her on her feet. Raven will let her touch Aiden, but she's going to do the, the same thing of, like, really obvious hand on the knife, staring mm-hmm. her down. So Zuri slowly lifts Aiden's face, and her intense hunter's eyes narrow as she sees how exhausted and out of it your friend is. And she says to the doctor, What are you doing to her? And he walks over to the trap canisters and picks one of them up, which is glowing with that golden light. I was trying to send her away like the other spirits, but it did not work. It's as if she could not be sent from this world. I I cannot explain it, Zuri. I don't like all this talk of banishing and sending people home. Damon takes like a step backwards. 
Haru looks to you, Raven, and he says, you know what she is. Yep. And he's still now like, he is shaken because he knows the whispered would say he's going to kill you, but he's known you since you were nine. And like, is probably one of Raven's like few friends. Aiden, for the first time since you've gotten her out of that machine, puts less of her weight on you and takes like a step and she, only her eyes glow gold. She can't seem to like muster the full effect, but she looks at the were-tiger. I don't know everything about how this order works, but it is not the way to protect people. And Aiden puts a shaky hand on Zuri's and looks at her and Haru. And rather than look angry, she seems to regard them with this strong, sorrowful empathy. You're not strangers to tragedy, are you? And then she looks over at Dr. Singh. You whispered, have done awful things because you think it will keep the ones you care about safe. You're wrong. That's not how it works. And a golden glow starts to form in her chest. And Raven, she lets go of you and takes a slow step forward towards the door. You can't send me home, Amir, because I don't belong where you think I do. The glow in her chest starts to get brighter, and she takes another step. I don't belong with the rest of my family. Another step. And maybe I don't belong here, either. And Aiden's wings appear and extend behind her, and she leans against the doorframe to the lab like it took a lot of effort for her to pull that off. Zuri and Haru step back a bit because they've never seen her in this full angel form, and Dr. Singh raises his hands to shield his eyes from the bright light. But I am here, and I'm going to protect people. And she turns to look at Haru and you, Raven, and she says, They're going to kill Whitaker, and turns around and starts running down the hallway. Uh, Damien would have to run, just like, oh boy, we're running now! I don't think anyone is the least bit surprised if Damien is the first one out. <laughs> Damien just books it out after Aiden. Felicity, your headache has faded. Oh, good, okay. You could feel it leaving your head. Mm -hmm. And as Aiden's glow was like refueling itself, it receded and now is gone. Dope. Uh, so I will also run after them. So Damien and Felicity, Edgecrest Agency, they run after Aiden. Wendy has still got its bow trained on Haru and Zuri like back and forth. Raven's going to take a long, long look at Haru and then just walk past him and out the door. And she might, she might kind of touch Bethany's shoulder on the way of like, like you coming? If she's not already moving to follow. Yeah, I guess Bethany goes with them. Her need for Whitaker to be alive probably trumps her desire to sit with the people who were clearly distraught. Haru shakes off his initial like shock at seeing Raven. And as you go to leave the room, Raven, he steps up. If you go alone, it'll just be worse. I'm coming with you. He said that to Raven? Yes. She's going to shrug and be like, all right, suit yourself. And Zuri goes over to her, her dad, and as she does, she shrinks down into her normal form. Her tattoos are still glowing as if they were just taken out of a fire and they're like have metal in them. And she puts her hand on his as he's like furiously still scribbling on the chalkboard. He is obsessive compulsive a little bit in terms of his like, I have to figure these supernatural things out. And she just kind of like puts her hand on his and he turns to her and he says... Maybe the angel was right. Looks at the canisters, 
looks at her, puts his hand on her shoulder where the tattoo is still like glowing. It, you can almost see his skeleton through his hand because of how bright the, the color of the tattoo is. And she just nods and says, you were trying to protect us, but we may have failed at protecting everyone else. And he nods and says, I should get to the tribunal. If you want to walk with them, rather than like barge ahead, you can. No, I walk with Haru and uh, Raven. I say thanks for like not killing us. That's pretty cool of you. He says, uh, just because I'm not going to kill you doesn't mean the others will stop. This is a serious mess, Bethany. God. And he winces, thinking about all the ways this could end very badly, and just continues to move purposefully alongside Raven. As you're, like, going through the tunnels, Aiden is just, like, slowly jogging. And every once in a while, she'll, like, stop and put a hand on the wall and be like, <sighs> uh, If you want, like, I can turn into a horse. We can gallop. Are these always big enough? They're not really big enough for a okay. horse, no. <laughs> Damien, if you want to, like, assist her, you could oh, just yeah. help her along. Uh, oh, so they did this thing in the war movie where, like, the one guy's limping and he does, like, the throw her arm over his mm-hmm. to, to help her, uh, her along. She's clearly exhausted, but as you're, like, doing this and probably going on and on about, like, yeah, I'm going to protect people, too, because I don't belong anywhere, like, blah, 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 like, repeating what she said. Or, like, Uh, quoting from the movie and, like, don't worry, kid, we're going to get you home safe. We're going to get you back to your Susie. We're just going to get there. Just one more step, kid, one more step. (laughs) She smiles and says, we make an odd pair, Damien Edgecrest. Let's go back to the tribunal chamber. So one of the guys in the hooded robes steps forward. He lifts his robe at the waist and takes out a uh, black sword and just approaches you, Whitaker. Argyle is like, he can't interfere, but gosh, he's uncomfortable with this. And uh, Hugo, you know this is Mori uh, approaching, ready to just do the deed, get it done. How big is this guy? 5'5". <laughs> five, five. He's not big. He's like an older guy. And his hands, unlike the guy with the rosary, who has like said a prayer over you, some rites, essentially. But this guy's hands are aged but calloused. And the way he grips this thing is like he's used it his whole life. Yeah, no. Uh, Whitaker sort of just not intending to fight here. He just like shrugs off the bathrobe and he's just going to say like... <sighs> Agency's gonna come looking for me. If I don't report in, they'll come looking. You'll have a whole other mess on your hands. That's all I'm saying. And underneath the bathrobe, peeking out from under a little sleeping tank top he's got, y'all see a nice two crescent-shaped scars on either side of his collarbone. It looks fresh, and they're kind of purple and ugly. They almost look infected. Dark veins spreading from them. Yep. The gentleman with the sword sees that. Like, he, he's eyeing you from beneath, like, the low hood that he's got on. And he says, I am sorry for what must be done to protect the Order. But if I can offer you some peace of mind, it will be quick. And he gestures at the bite scar on your chest. And you will not need to suffer with that curse any longer. And a couple of the figures who have been keeping close by the woman with the wide-brimmed hat and the rune-scripted revolver, they also come forward at this point, hold your hands behind your back, and get you into a kneeling position. Yeah, he I, he wouldn't resist at this point. Yeah. 
Jesus. Hugo, got any got any last moves? Yes, but it's going to depend on what he actually does. He stands behind Whitaker. Raises that sword. He's he's going to do it. Like, <laughs> what's your move, Hugo? Well, we'll see what the dice say. Okay. As we are going to roll to protect. Uh-oh. That'll be interesting. <laughs> oh, no. How could the situation be worse? <laughs> what did you get? Uh, seven. So you protect them okay, but you'll suffer some or all the harm they were going to get. <laughs> oh, no. Hugo, you don't owe me this. In what way are you going to try to protect? Are you just going to, like, tackle him out of the... Let me point you towards the luck die there, Hugo. That's true. You could just luck point you this whole thing. You could just be a cool you know You're right. You're right. <laughs> do 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 Boop. So as I was saying, on a 12... <laughs> a total success! <laughs> so what's your protect? Are you casting a spell? Are you gonna... Well, assuming that no one was too close, he was literally going to run up and block the sword. More specifically, it's blocking the wrists as the hands are going down. It's a cross block. You pull it off. You can, like, see, because you're, like, in a low stance to do this block to get underneath his swing since he's shorter than you. Uh, you see under the hood, it's you know, it's, it's the guy that runs the dojo you train at. You know this guy outside of the whispering work also. But he, you interfering in this moment, he is furious. Well, all impending danger is now focused on me anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, you would dare. And at this point, Joseph Argyle is going to use magic. So let's see how he does. That is a 11. He is going to create a barrier. He runs up beside you, Hugo, pushes Kojima off the dais, and then with his like tattooed arm rolled up and glowing, slams it into the earth, similar to how you use the Eskrima sticks during your fight with the Kitsune. And the entire dais glows blue, and blue light shoots up, essentially creating a barrier around the three of you. Locking off all exits. Thank you, Argyle. <laughs> <laughs> he stands, takes his hood off, and says, I cannot let this go on. And every member of the Whispered at this point are all guard up, ready to go. One guy who's in the mentee outfit, standing next to a person who's seated in a chair, says, Argyle, back down. We've decided. Your vote can't make a difference here. And Argyle says, I'm tired of allowing the archaic safeguards of the Order to dictate our actions. It lessens us to kill this man. You all trusted me when I moved to induct Hugo into the Order. Trust me when I say this. The world is shrinking. And it's only a matter of time before someone else discovers us. Someone without any ties to the world we guard humanity against. Or at least claim to. If we kill this man, how are we any different from the monsters and supernatural threats that we have sworn to fight back against? And you see a few people shifting and kind of glancing around. And he says, I motion to disband this chapter of the Whispered. And at that, the room is silent.
except for footsteps, two pairs of footsteps. We see Damien Edgecrest and Aiden Brightwood limp into the room. Aiden sees Whitaker and Hugo in this force field, surrounded by the cloaked and masked figures, and turns on as much of her angelic glow as she can muster, wings out, ready for a fight. So when Damien came in, he was had shifted into that grizzled war vet from the movie, so he was, like, <laughs> in the military uniform. And then when he sees, like, Aiden go into, like, her super cool form, he's like, oh, are we doing our forms now? And then he just goops. Yeah. Do you do anything to make his goop more threatening? A la Monsters, Inc., where, like, normal goop Damien is not very scary, but does he have, like, a scary goop form? <laughs> oh, Yes. Uh, okay. So he's going to still be a green goop, but he's going to start making lots of spikes come mm. up, and he's also going to like stretch up. So he's bigger and limber, and you can see like rails of spikes up and down and all around, just like mm. constantly like popping out and coming back in. Ooh, yeah, like a like nothing is static; it's all constantly changing in mm. waves and stuff. Yeah, that's very cool. I think Aiden's going to act under pressure. She is unstable. Oh no! <laughs> so that's a four. And miss. Whatever pressure has overwhelmed the hunter. So Aiden gets like a couple steps in as this glowing divine entity. And she has just enough time to say, He's right. You can't do this. And she just passes out. She's got nothing left. Because she's been on a whiplash roller coaster ride between realms. Uh, uh, <laughs> can, can Damien like swoop in to, to catch before she like? Yeah, you can make a little slime cushion for her to fall into. Um, yeah, guys, stop hurting people. <laughs> you say is this big <laughs> nasty monster. Hey there, adventurers. So, funny story about the ad break this week. It was supposed to be another compliment corner because our official number one fan, Amanda, is the sponsor and asked us to say nice things about each other. And well, we said nice things about each other for half an hour. It was really special and an amazing gift to us as a team. So thank you, Amanda, for that. We are going to have to release that full clip down the line as its own little bonus episode because it's a lot to stick in the middle of a normal narrative episode. Also, because our episodes are edited and come out a while after we've recorded the live session, some of the compliments relate to story events that are slightly spoiler-flavored. So yeah, stay tuned and eventually you can listen to us all get real deep in our feels and love for each other and this story. And if you've got something you'd like us to promote or compliment during this segment, you can contact the show about sponsoring an episode. Our email is thestorytellersquad at gmail.com. Just know that if you ask us to say nice things, we might go a little overboard. Thank you again, Amanda. You are now not just our official number one fan, but also the first official sponsor of bonus content for the podcast. So you can stick that feather in one of your amazing historical costumes. You wholesome frickin' friend, you. Be well, adventurers. 
We'll catch you later. is quiet for a second and then you are surrounded damien there's people shouting some of the whispered agents are like in the midst of performing some sort of ritual spell to try and maybe like trap you undo argos thing like now it is bedlam and felicity bethany raven you guys are now approaching this room where you see essentially Damien gooping up into like a bigger version of himself like, and facing. He's, he's holding on to Aiden. Aiden. Aiden's like a safety blanket right now. Yeah, I mean, the room is about to go nuts. Um, did the guy who was trying to execute me, did he drop his sword? He got pushed off the dais by Argyle. But did he have his sword with him? He did. Hugo like guarded him, but he didn't disarm him with his block. Yeah. Well, a man can dream. That being said, you're not dead, so feel free to act if you'd like, Agent Whitaker. But the three of my uh, amateur supernatural agents, what what do you do as you approach? I think Haruk steps up next to you, Raven, and he doesn't like go to hold your hand. He just gives you a look, and he's like, "Whatever goes down, I've got your back." She's gonna she's gonna give him like a little smile and be like, "Same to you." And then she'll, she'll, if he's going into like a defensive type of stance, she's going to try and like match that next to him. I mean, he, you guys have to enter this fracas now and either make some kind of entrance, make a a defense for your friends. Cause you can see Damien is like holding Aiden. You probably like saw her flash and you're like, oh good, she's got it. And then, oh no, she does not have it at all. So essentially you're about to step into the fray. So you might want to prepare whatever that's going to be. Felicity, Bethany, thoughts, ideas? Where's the light switch? This room is lit just by like torches and sconces. I look at Felicity and Raven, we gotta shut everybody up for like two minutes. That's the goal because everybody here is too strong to fight it out. Um, We are just going to end up, I think, doing a whole murder on all of each other. And I would really like that to be avoided. I'm gonna read a bad situation in hopes of finding some way of making this look a little less nasty. That's I feel a, like that was a Bethany pep talk light, and I really appreciate it. Raven <laughs> really needed that. Make success, that you can ask one question. What's the best way to protect the victims? <laughs> I, everyone. Anyone is potentially going to get hurt in this, and I would like this to be a death-free day for yeah, Bethany. <laughs> the, be- the best way to protect any potential victims in this immediate moment would be to do something so shocking that their attention would be drawn away from whatever they're planning in the moment. Okay. As you guys are cautiously approaching this room and you see Damien being surrounded by these monster hunters, you see, God, I'm just gonna have to go through the whole room and like paint a massive word picture for y'all. Parlay! Uh, <laughs> Damien is screaming parlay. <laughs> The tall, broad-shouldered guy who was sitting next to the hooded figure that was sitting down is, like, fixing onto his hands a pair of brass knuckles, hits them together, and, like, sparks fly off them, and it makes the sound of a very heavy thing dropping. It's significant. You notice it amongst the, like, noise. And the person sitting slowly stands and backs up against the, the wall. 
Rhea and Noriko, who are in like the guard position, are the first on you, Damien. Rhea has all four of her arms and she's like in a position to like deflect or maybe come in and attack. She's like gauging your new spiky form. Noriko also is a little taken aback because like, why didn't he do this on the camper? And so she's got a, a spell that she's working on forming with her, her offhand. The women with the wide brim dark hats stand and pull out those guns with the runes on the barrel or on the handle or somewhere. Somewhere on these guns, there's silver markings. This is a band of gunslingers. They are about to start firing at people. The main lady, the leader of that group, is like shouting orders now at all of them. The two guys who were like holding you down, Whitaker, who got knocked back also by the spell, they're running over to her to take up defensive stances. The man who gave you the blessing, Whitaker, and had the rosary, he is like slowly skirting the edge of the room, trying to get a better look at Aiden. And the two of his assistants in black are like running up to him. One of them seems to be asking a lot of questions. The other one has taken something out of a pocket and is rubbing it against his arm. And that like cross tattoo on his forearm is starting to glow. Mori Kojima is up now with his sword. He just seems to be in the position of like, as soon as this barrier comes down, I'm ready to go. He's taken up a new stance. He hasn't removed his hood, but it's almost like slipped back enough when he got like pushed off the dais. And he's got eyes on Whitaker and Argyle. Not watching you as closely, Hugo, because he's like, I could take this kid. Like, <laughs> caught me off guard once, but I'm not like intimidated by you. How guarded is my boy Damien? I know he has two people around him and he has people with their eyes on him. You could certainly rush over to him. I mean, they came out the same door as you guys. So it's, it's almost you're seeing all this through Damien's like green jello body. <laughs> pull out my phone and i had a feeling you might <laughs> yeah if you all don't shut the fuck up and listen to me right now i will live stream all of this monster bullshit and you will have a whole other shit show on your hands uh do i have to roll charm for that <laughs> that feels like charm yeah that's definitely manipulate someone uh can uh, damien help by popping out another phone out of his goop i think you pop out like 17 other phones yes <laughs> You're just an um, octopus squid of phones. As, as many as you would give me. That's a four, but I'm going to use my luck and make that a 12. Okay. Use that I luck. This luck. situation calls for it. Raven will also, in solidarity, pull out her phone. So do you stride out with a phone in hand, Raven? Or like, Because <laughs> Haru is with you. He's like walking with you side by side now. Yeah. Once, Tell Haru once... to get out his phone. <laughs> You got a lot of followers on the uh, Dojo's Facebook page. Please, please, please. <laughs> yeah, once once Bethany's up there and like says that and Damien pulls out of all the phones, that's when Raven will like actually join the fray and like pull out her phone in kind of like a threatening way. Okay. Just to like back up Bethany and then look up at her as like, come on, like listen. Uh-huh. Felicity? Uh, Felicity is not going to pull out her phone because she does not have enough friends to live stream anything <laughs> and no one will see it. But what she is going to do is she's going to run out and she's going to say, this lady's got a blog. This is dangerous, guys. Like, I wouldn't like... Whitaker shakes his head in a strange mixture of pride and disappointment. Whitaker, Bethany has an account. Your saviors have arrived. You don't know that. And they consist with that. Facebook Live. Yeah, they consist of an angel who's passed out, Damien, and then these three <laughs> with their phones out, ready to go. 
you got a 12. You completely succeed because you burned a luck. So I can't actually pull any hard moves on you. Good job, Bethany. I just did not want that four. I was going to say, well, they could just take the phones from you. But no, you're very compelling because you're a surprise. They aren't expecting more people who aren't in the whisper to just show up and be like, what's up? We're about to blow up your spot. I think a lot of people go to like raise their weapons. Some of the, uh, the ladies with guns with the silver marks on them go to like draw on you. But the leader of that particular faction just bang and fires a single shot upwards and the room goes silent and she's just like, so why don't we talk about this again? And she kind of shoots a look over at Argyle like, damn you, you son of a bitch. Like, she's just like... Hugo <laughs> is laughing. Is it the sort of laugh that you do when you're in a very, like, stressful situation? Or is he actually, like, amused by the strangeness of it all? His friend's antics. <laughs> it's pure amusement. It's a combination of, of amusement and you done fucked up. But, yeah. but the you done fucked up being directed towards the other Whispered members. So Argyle nods at the, the lady that shot her gun into the air, and he says, Agreed. Everything is much more complicated now. And that barrier lowers. At this point, Dr. Singh and Zuri also step out into the room. They quickly skirt away from your little group to not like be associated with you. Haru does not, however. He stands right with you guys. And at this point, Mori Kojima turns around. He sees Haru there. And, like, without his mask and everything, he's just like, what are you doing? And Haru just stiffly bows and apologizes. He says, I'm sorry, but I'm done. And then just stands there stiffly. Mori still has his sword out. He's just, like, gripping it white knuckles at this point. Not that he's going to attack, but he is just, like, he's one of the Whispered members that maybe didn't form this group, but it's been his whole life. And so he just, she's that sword goes over and stands next to a couple of the other hooded members. The man with the rosary beads wrapped around his wrist slowly approaches you, Damien, but he's also cautiously, like, got his eyes on Aiden in your arms. Has yeah. Damien stolen rosary beads? I would imagine probably once or twice. Perfect. So then when the guy starts, like, walking up to him, he's like, oh, cool. And, like, pulls out his own pair so uh-huh. he can have the same thing. His arms just like literally drop and he's standing there like dumbfounded. <laughs> and the, the young lady in like the uh, nunnery getup rushes over to him and puts herself in between you, Damien, and, and this guy. Back off, creature from the abyss. She's got like a very mousy, like high pitched, like squeaky voice, which I'm not going to be able to do. Damien twists Bethany to put her behind him. And he's going to turn his head and have the same sort of hood that she has on. Back back off, you scary church lady! And ignoring this interaction, the guy with the cross tattoo on his forearm walks over, kneels down over Aiden, mutters something softly, and, like, puts his hand out, and gold light suffuses his hand and goes into her. And you see she stirs a little bit. And he looks over at Dr. Singh. So this is what you're up to in that lab. Dr. Singh just shrugs. She is not of this world, but apparently she is not of any world. Rhea goes over to join her family. She kind of like berates Zuri. She's like, you let them go? Zuri just frowns and just gestures at the mess that 
everything has devolved into in this large viewing chamber. I don't know what's going on. This is a big, complicated mess. You can't pin it on me. Hugo, what do you do now? Honestly, at this point, he's he's going to check on Whitaker first. Is Whitaker still, like, crouching? As soon as Hugo blocked the sword, Whitaker's like, oh, we're doing this. <laughs> so he's waiting for the next beat, you know, like the next hat to drop, pretty much. Might even be, like, back-to-back with you, Hugo, up on this dais to, like, keep oh, eyes yeah. on the whole situation. Oh, no, Whitaker whispers to him, who do you think we could take best? Absolutely none of them. Afraid you'd say that. Mm-hmm. Which one do you think Argyle would take? You see that one with the hat? Y- yes, clearly. Yep, that's, that is the prime entertainment. Speaking of Miss Carla, her group slowly lower their guns and put them back into their holsters. The person who had been sitting next to that guy with the brass knuckles is now walking back, and she also takes her hood off. She is a African-American woman. She's older than you would say Argyle is because her hair is all white. She's got a lot of, like, smile lines and, like, sun wrinkles on her face. And she says, uh, Joseph, do you really think it would be best to disband? And he says... I think it is unconscionable to continue, given the mandates we would have to fulfill. And she says, I have never liked how this organization invites others. It always has been a bit of a strong arm. And she looks over at Carla, looks over at Maury, regarding the other elders in the room. The gentleman with the rosary beads takes his hood off, He's got hair that is going white, but is still a little reddish. He looks old man thin, very like sharp cheekbones, essentially, and a little bit of stubble on his face. He is still slowly approaching Aiden. We have stumbled into something that I cannot make heads or tails of at the moment. And he kneels down next to the young man who still has his face covered, but it has like just healed Aiden. The good news is we all want the same thing. We all want to leave this room feeling healthy, and we want to leave here with our friends also feeling healthy, and we also want to keep everything that has happened today under complete silence. So the good news is that we can all have what we all want. We just have to do it nice and slowly and if our group could go second. I want someone else to leave first. Carla looks back at her group and she says, what do you think? Are you tired of this? One of them shrugs. Another one nods sheepishly. And the other one walks over towards the dais and stands next to you, Hugo. And she says, he's right. The way we work is not how the world works anymore. It's kept our group safe, but if we're out there killing people to keep a secret, it makes us just like them. She points at Damien, <laughs> but she gives you a look, Hugo, of like, I'm with you. And you don't know which of the Los Muertos this is, but she seems to have been listening when you were basically describing the Whispered as like an outdated form of monster hunting. So when she like points at Damien and is like, like him, like in disgust, Damien loses 
as much and any and all of his like goopiness or extraness. So like the phones that were like stuck to him clink to the floor and he just tries to be like as human as possible. <laughs> okay. Damien, act under pressure, please. Oh, that's a three. Damien, you've been almost caught up in the moment of we all want the same thing. We all just want to keep this, blah, blah, blah. And when she singles you out like that, it hurts your feelings, which is weird. That's never happened before. You're like, huh. I'm trying to like people. Yeah, you're like, that feels bad. Why do I feel bad about being like put on the spot like that? But we'll move on from there. You are now much more human and less threatening looking. So fewer people are like ready to go at your throat, essentially. Aiden sits up eyeing the, the old dear guy. And she stands up, looks over at you, Damien, and looks out at the group. Damien is a special case, like me. As old as your group might be, there's still things you don't understand about this world. And she is going to try and manipulate them. Come on, Aiden. <laughs> Three. Do I want to do it also? Yeah, you know, this is the episode to do it. She's going to mark some luck. She's going to change that role. She says what she had said and then walks over slowly and without throwing her wings out to be like threatening display, she just kind of lets herself slowly warm up in her glowing golden state and just takes your hand, Damien. And when she does that, the older guy just like puts his hand over his mouth. The guy who had healed her before also stands up and regards her and then like goes over and stands next to you, Hugo, or stands near the dais anyway. And he looks up at you and he says, you've been keeping your own secrets, eh? Seems like the thing to do around here. Suffice to say, the world that we have been trained for no longer exists. And we failed to adapt to it. Time for something new. Noriko, as soon as like Raven and, and Felicity and Bethany came in the room, her like attention on Damien ended and her spell also fizzled. And she walks over to you, Raven, takes her mask off. And is just like, oh my God. And then like looks at Haru. He gives her a nod. She nods. And she's like, he goes right. That very tall, not the guy with the brass knuckles, but there was another figure in the like blackout suits that actually spoke out during the actual tribunal in support of you, Hugo, and then was like cut off by their elder. They step forward and they take their mask off. They also come towards the dais and they say, uh, I've never been okay with killing witnesses. I wish you'd said something like this earlier, Hugo. And they turn around. There's the briefest shift in their form where they get a little bigger, similar to how Zuri did. They don't shift fully, but you notice they like puff up their chest a little bit to be like, bring it on. Whitaker's running the odds again. <laughs> yeah, you seem to be gathering a, uh, a movement of backup now. Argyle gives you a look, Hugo, and he steps away from that like center podium and says to you, when one light goes out, it's best to light a new one. If, if this is how the world is going to be, gestures over at Aiden and Bethany, Felicity and Raven that I'm not the one to be calling the shots. Carla, she's constantly surveying the room, but she uh, approaches you, Whitaker, and she says, how big is your agency? Big enough to cover the United States. She nods, stay out of my way. And she turns and gives like a loud snap and all of Los Muertos follow her and they leave the chamber, just like, we're done. 
Claire Graves, the older lady with the white hair in a bun. The guy with the brass knuckles, who is like her ward or protector or whatever, like comes over to her and she says to you, Hugo, and the two of them leave also at a different door. Maury at this point has sat down cross-legged and uh, Noriko comes over, kneels in front of him, also bows and apologizes. She says, I'm sorry I couldn't be what you wanted me to be. And he takes his hand off the sword where he's been like holding it and just like puts his hand on her head, pats it once or twice. And he says, I never wanted you to become a weapon only. You must decide what you will do with what I have taught you. And he stands, removes his hood, looks at you, Hugo. My time is over. But I hope that the future you will fight for, you have a clear image of it. And he leaves. Haro and Noriko stay, though. Oh, guys, people are leaving. I kind of uh, kind of want to. Ada just squeezes your hand. She's like, I'm going to stay. Sounds cool. Raven's just going to walk up and join that little group because she was like behind them. She's going to come up behind like Aiden and Damien and just like put a hand on one of their backs just to... Are you going to hold like, hands with the group, too? Bethany, Bethany takes Raven's hand. If yes. they're all holding hands, yes, she will hold okay. hands. All right, yeah. And she'll, she'll kind of gesture for Haru to join with her. Haru doesn't, but he he does go, <laughs> he, he, does, he, he does go over to stand next to Hugo, and he says, So, what now? Same thing as before. Hopefully with, and he looks over at Agent Whitaker, less killing. I appreciate it. Raven's gonna glance at the group next to her and be like, they were gonna, they were gonna kill Whitaker. Oh my god. Raven, Raven's got one empty hand for you, Hugo. Come on. Raven's gonna look at Hugo and kind of hold out her hand a little bit and be like, come <laughs> in. Felicity, you kind of tie up on Felicity my muted, so I didn't hear, but you joined too, right? Yes. You're okay, holding hands. Good, good, good. Oh yeah, you're in the group. There's no way Felicity would not be a part of this little yeah. hand-holding. Felicity I've, seems like the type to break up two people, so she has two people's hands to hold. She wouldn't be on an end. I think as Felicity approaches, Aiden grabs her hand and just holds on, like, real, 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 real tight. Father O'Rourke, the priest, he joins uh, Argyle on the dais, and he says, You're a braver man than me, Joseph. I think what you've done is the right thing. But you've also clearly been privy to secrets about our world that I'm... Very curious about, old friend. And he very pointedly looks over at Aiden and Damien. Argyle nods. I will be in touch, Eric. And the priest just gives like a quick like blessing goodbye. The two people with him, the the mousy girl in the nun habit, she like rushes over to him to like, like, do you need anything? Are we leaving? I didn't like this at all. Uh, (laughs) Whereas the guy with the tattoo pulls his mask off. He's got sort of disheveled black hair. He calls back to Father O'Rourke and and the girl. He says, I'll catch up with you. I want to be here for this. Dr. Singh comes over to Aiden at this point. uh, Damien steps right in between the two of them. He does not (laughs) let Dr. Singh over by Aiden. Okay. He holds his hands up. He says, uh, I do not mean any harm. She is right. We do not understand the world in its entirety. 
But I am trying to. I apologize, miss. Aiden belongs here with us. It certainly seems so. It was not my intent to prolong your suffering, but we are not in the habit of letting what you are interact with our world. It has been our job for many years to prevent that as much as possible. I'm sure you know perhaps some of our reasons why. Aiden doesn't step around you, but just like puts her hand on your shoulder, Damien. She says, nothing you could do, doctor, would have any lasting effect. Question yourself more often. And he nods, gives a, a polite bow, uh, and turns to leave. But he looks at Zuri and Rhea, and he says, I would stay, see if you can make peace with our boy Hugo. And he leaves. Wait, wait. I look at Aiden. You can't be serious, right? It's perfectly acceptable when somebody hurts you. You don't have to be an asshole right back, but Aiden, you gotta stand up for yourself. I mean, he just puts you through the ringer and you just say, okay? I walk after Dr. Singh, excuse me, and you think that this is just gonna be okay? We're just gonna continue on with research? Let me tell you something, buddy. Monsters are going to come out of the, into the open one day. It's going to happen. And if you keep pulling the bullshit you're pulling, when monsters come out and are accepted by society as a whole, you are going to face so much crap. So I would just like you to think on that for a little bit longer. Thank you very much. Rhea steps in front of you, Bethany. She has like one pair of arms folded behind her. Another one is just at her side. And she just like puts a hand up in front of you. And she says, when you have been in this life for longer than a few days, you will not be so quick to judge. And Dr. Singh from behind her, I know I am not a saint. And he directs this at you, Bethany. He says, we don't always notice when fighting monsters how much we have to become like them in order to survive. Again, I apologize. And he turns and leaves. Well, guess what? Sure, you're very pretty, Rhea. Anyway, I have to go. Your friends are weird, and they do really bad research. Okay, Bethany. Okay. Aiden does smile at you, Bethany, and she's like, thank you, Bethany. It's nice having someone stick up for me. You're welcome. Baker's looking at this whole situation like, what the fuck did he do to Aiden? Yeah, you don't know. All you know is you heard screaming. Um... So, Hugo, for a head count, you have Argyle. Jordan Rivers is also with you. The figure that they were um, standing with for the tribunal and stuff has not left, but hasn't said anything still this whole time. And from what you know of that person, they're probably not going to say anything for or against whatever you decide to do here. Las Muertas have left, but you gather that they're not going to bother you. They are the largest faction and the most capable of becoming their own thing. John and Claire Graves also have left, but you kind of got the sense from them that they were never really super glad that they were part of the Whispered. It seems like Dr. Singh is not really like out, but he, he was never one to like care about the structure of the group or any of the secret keeping, like the guy is single-mindedly about figuring out supernatural threats and how to combat them. 
Zuri and Rhea are sticking around to basically decide, like, okay, what is, what is the next step now? Mori has left, but Paru and Noriko are still here. So you've got a, a little group now, smaller than it was. Everyone's kind of looking to you now as the, like... <laughs> They've made a terrible mistake. Maybe we should flashback? Do you want to flashback? Yeah, let's flashback. We'll flashback to a moment in your training as a Whispered member where you're going over how the group comes together and like its, its origins. It's like a history lesson. Argyle explains that while the Whispered has existed since like humans have and have combated spirits and demons and things, it hasn't, it hasn't been an organization throughout history. It's just a tradition that many different peoples and cultures have followed throughout human evolution. And that when these groups find each other, because they all have the same tattoo part of it, that's when they tend to just sort of agree, like, okay, well, we're working together then. Yes, agreed. Yes, that is the way. Okay. And in cases like the West Coast of the U.S., where you have a lot of different cultures coming in because people are immigrating, people coming West from the East and stuff, you had a lot of these traditions of monster hunting that were sort of kept under the umbrella of the Whispered. And it has picked up new groups as you've gone along. Singh's family practice, they're, they're relatively new, the Singh family and like their involvement in monster hunting. And also the graves actually are pretty new within like Claire's lifetime, essentially. Basically, the correct way to be in the Whispered is to be like inducted through family or like very close-knit found family ties where like you're not supposed to discover it the way you did, Hugo. <laughs> you're certainly not supposed to find it the way Whitaker was able to do, although he had, like, a clue by knowing you and knowing that you're weird, which, like, again, that was sort of the whole reason they were pissed at you, because it's like, you're not supposed to interact with other supernatural hunters if you're a part of the Whispered. Like, it's not done. But yeah, Hugo's a newbie, so. It's their fault for not properly training him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not, not crushing his uh, ability to socialize entirely. <laughs> it was so close. So, so close. close. Argyle explains that these pockets of whispered organization just sort of spring up and then dissipate and spring up and dissipate all throughout history, which is where you get stories of like the Crusades, but going off to fight dragons or like the legend of the Monkey King. Maybe that's a whispered thing because you have like disparate group of four people coming together to then go off and fight a bunch of demons. And so in this case, by being found out and like with the threat of like more people finding out the point of having a collective of whispered groups in the traditional sense would make no sense because the whole point is it's a group effort that no one knows about as soon as it's known about and has like the chance to be told or spread around it's like why are we doing this then we'll just go back to doing it on our own nice working with you goodbye because then it's harder to track the individual faction groups versus like Oh, there's a hub of activity or, you know, whatever. So your sect has essentially disbanded. Congratulations. <laughs> now we have to ask sort of the meta question of, do you want to become the leader of a new chapter of Whispered? Or do you want to change Hugo into some other kind of playbook? Hugo, 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 do it. Hugo, 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 I very badly want to comb through all the books in here. Please, Hugo, <laughs> Hugo. please let me stay. Hugo, if you let don't me volunteer, stay, Hugo. 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 
So on the meta level, gaining command of a chapter of the sect is a thing you can do. The other one is an advanced one, so we can't do that. What's the other one? Changing to a different hunter type. Oh, how many times does he go level up? Uh, this is his third time. Ah, all right then. So I guess he's in command of a chapter of a sect. <laughs> why not? I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure we can bend the fine. rules if you need to change playbooks. But if you want, yeah, like if you feel it would make more sense for him to be like, Nah, dude, I'm out. I'm finally out. That's the thing we could do. I like the idea and the themes of Hugo as reluctant leader of this like reformed version of what he was sort of forcibly inducted into. It'll be fine. It'll be perfectly fine. <laughs> what could go wrong? Hugo, okay. as your first action as the new leader of this sect, consider an alliance with the East Tea Agency. You and I have to have some talks. Very with well. Tea, hopefully. Oh, absolutely. Rhea uh, approaches you, Hugo. She says, I think you are an idiot. Accurate. But you clearly have a talent for gathering people to your side. And she steps down from the dais, walks over to Zuri. See you at work on Monday. And the two of them leave. Essentially saying, we're with you if you want to keep this going. The young guy with the cross tattoo and who's part of O'Rourke's group from the St. Peter's Church says, uh, I also am going to want to talk to you about all of that. Just like big pointing circle at Aiden and Damien. I'm sure you don't understand it all what I would like to be filled in at some point. I'll fill you in, but just so you know, that's up to them. He stops, looks at the two of them, and says, I guess things are changing. Take care. And he leaves. So, uh, you're leading a whole group of people. It seems that way. Uh, mm, Leading is a strong word. Organizing. Facilitating. How are you feeling? Not just about that, but it seems like a lot's probably happened in the time in which we were doing a lot of other things. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Spoiler alert, he is not fine. I feel like that's sarcasm, Hugo. You're the smart dude. And the fact that you really, really don't want to lead, I think people say makes you a better leader. But I don't really know how true that is. But I do know what's true is that you are really perceptive and you're usually pretty on top of your shit. So she like kind of bumps his shoulder with her shoulder. You, you got this, bud. And also if you ever need extra coffee, uh, you can have some on the house if you come by the store. You, you really think I'm doing this by myself, really? And Argyle steps up. I'm not going anywhere. I will be at your service. She kind of smiles at Hugo. You know, I was really banking on you being the boring one of this group. Jordan has like turned to go uh, and has taken the hand of that elder with the um, hooded cloak. They turn back to you and they like just gesture like the call me symbol. (laughs) So they leave. So now you guys are pretty much alone. As elegantly as he can, Whitaker puts his bathrobe back on. (laughs) Man, I can't wait to go back to my... And I wait to go back to my bed and sleep. About that, they... Do you have something to add? 
Miss Felicity. The people here flipped it over. Wait, flipped what? The Your, bed? No, the the whole, the whole trailer whole got flipped in the kerfluffle. Dude, it was it was, was not, real bad. Haru he like got you, drops, but he, he drops his tantas and like in the way of like uh you know a, a young mid twenties karate instructor who's like dealt with angry parents before. It's just like, dude, I swear, I know we got off on the wrong foot. We did not do anything to your trailer. <laughs> All right, would someone it just else got please care to explain what happened here? Your your trailer's <laughs> upside down, Agent Whitaker. I'm really sorry to tell you. You're gonna well, need to no, find no, out. No, I, I gathered that. That I gathered. That one. That fact is pretty clear in the dome right now. <laughs> that's the that's the fact I can't stop thinking about. Actually, I want to know why. Well, we don't we don't know why. <laughs> Why? All right, I'm actually really, really bad at this. So, remember that vision you were supposed to get at the beginning of sessions? Yes. Now you're getting one now, baby. Oh, no. I'm gonna tell you the truth. Oh, my God. I fair. Felicity, you are not in the room. You are in the woods on the outskirts of what seems to be like a simple village based on like the shoreline near an inlet uh, on the coast. But this village in front of you is burning and people are running around screaming and crying for help. And you look down at your hands, which are engulfed in flame and back in the present. Are you okay? You were just about to tell Whitaker what happened to his truck. Yeah, I mean, it was it was the night we were attacked by all sorts of things. Yeah, um, ah, uh, yeah, Whitaker, um, I flipped your trailer. Sorry. Is everything all right? I don't, I don't know. We've seen her have vision, like, we know she just saw yeah, something. Yeah, her right? eyes, like, glazed over white, little bits of, like, static kind of trickled from her, the corners of her eye, and she just, like, stopped mid-sentence. Felicity, <clears throat> what, did, what did you just see? I am confused. There was a village, and everyone was running around, and they were all yelling because it was on fire. But then, my hands were on fire. Like fire powers, awesome fire, or like, oh no, my hands are on fire and it's third degree no. burns. Well, I would no say fire, fire power, yeah, but not, maybe not awesome power. That doesn't seem awesome. Seems I, pretty I, the opposite of awesome. Felicity is clearly going through something and needs to sit down. Needs water. Well, there isn't anything like that. You guys are still in this, like, weird trial chamber down here. Jesus Christ, I don't have water down here? <laughs> Damien pulls <laughs> out a water like bottle. There's a water cooler dispenser. There you, you go. Damien, thank you. Damien, thank you. Damien, you're a savior. Thank you. I give it to Felicity. Drink, also, take a breath, take a second, and then tell us once again what happened. Aiden sits down and, like, isn't obvious yeah. about it, but she's just, she's exhausted. Damien pulls out a small pillow for her that's like, it's really not comfortable. It's like really too decorative. It was like one of those extra pillows. That it's they like a throw pillow like from, a throw pillow. yeah. Yeah. 
she, she just like looks at it and she's like, I think I want to go home. Yeah, no, let's, um, let's pack it up. We'll figure out all the logistics of things tomorrow. Why are you here? Oh, thank God. I want to leave this room so bad. Everyone else is. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we organize cars? Maybe if it's okay, if it's not too draining for you, Aiden, you can tell Whitaker what happened on the drive back. And we just sort of figured out from there. Um, Are we all going to fit in Whitaker's truck? My I, truck isn't here. I got I have, I can, No, I no can we call. drove your truck. I, your truck's here. You I, what? I send a text to, to Sophia and I say, date is going terribly. Sorry, it's 2 a.m. Uh, do you want to come pick me up from the museum? Uh, okay. You get a text back from Sophia and she says, you owe me Taco Bell. Damn, what a debt. And she's like, I'm coming. Isn't it like 4 a.m. at this point? Maybe maybe later? It's the only place that's open. (laughs) I'm just surprised she's up. That's all. We all cut to a scene of all of us quietly eating Taco Bell. (laughs) Yeah. Crying in a Taco Bell parking lot. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, Sophia will come get you. It might be a little while, so you guys kind of have to like awkwardly wait around. Hugo knows the way from this room back up to the library chamber and then up in through the museum. You guys can leave. Raven's going to sheepishly hand Whitaker his keys. Okay. Haru and Noriko don't leave with you. Like they, they walk you as far as Argyle's like study. And then they say, uh, we're going to, we're going to go home. And Noriko comes over to you, Whitaker. And she says, I'm, uh, I'm sorry about all this. I can't imagine it's been easy for you either. Monster hunting life. Uh, not particularly, but, you know, could be worse. Could be dead. Yep. Could always be worse. Well, good night, and sorry for kidnapping you. You got okay. me to throw an arm on you. <laughs> she, uh, I don't think she responds to that. Whitaker, do you need like, a hotel for the night? Or like, what are you gonna, what's the vibe? I was just gonna sleep in the truck. Oh, you can stay at my place. Was, was that Aiden? That was Aiden. No, Adrian Whitaker, I've seen so many hotel commercials. Come on. Aiden looks at you, Damien, and she says, you're not gonna sleep tonight though, right? Maybe we can do something. Oh, hell yeah. Well, uh, if, if you're offering, and uh, I'd really appreciate that actually. I mean, you can't sleep in a bed that's upside down. Let's hope that's the worst of it. Do you guys all go home and then reconvene at another time? Or how long into the night do you guys want to talk about this, basically? Bethany turns in for the night. I think she keeps her phone on and she keeps it, like, off silent in case people have another emergency. (laughs) She texts her date. (laughs) My friends are safe. They weren't ninjas. And doesn't really say much more on that. Uh, You don't get a response. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think so. Um, but Sophia pulls up eventually in, I guess, your car? Does she have her own car? Um, she has her own car. Okay, yeah. She, she pulls up, honks once, and is like, get in, loser! Um, I look over. Does anyone else need a ride? We can be quiet in the car. You don't have to talk if you don't want to. She says that mostly to Hugo and Raven. Yeah, I think someone's gonna have to go, because we're not all gonna be able to fit in Whitaker's truck. I mean, technically, I could fit all of you in the, the, the fun part of the truck. Mm, true. 
Raven will go with uh, Bethany and her sister. Raven also heard there was Taco Bell involved. And so yeah, they do go to Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. She specifically asked, like, we're, we're stopping at Taco Bell before you guys drop me off, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Sweet. Yeah, Sophia's like, yeah, Bethany's paying. <laughs> yeah, I'm paying. paying. <laughs> Felicity wanted on Taco Bell. Too. Yeah! <laughs> Girls trip to Taco Bell. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Damien turns to Agent Whitaker and just, uh, Puppy what are your guys? thoughts on, <laughs> on food? I go, go get Taco Bell, you fucking animal. Yes. All right, Damien, let's go get some Taco I Bell. I am driving to a bed. Yeah, so Aiden, like, before, like, she goes to, like, open the door to Agent Whitaker's truck to, like, go with him. But she stops, she, she, like, leaves it open, comes over to the car, and, like, as Damien's, like, piling into the backseat with Raven and Felicity, she just leans in and she says, Hey, um, thank you for coming for me. That's what friends are for. Can I retcon really quick? Raven definitely gave Aiden a hug before she got in the car. She, yeah. she definitely would have given her a hug and just been like, I'm glad you're safe, before getting in the car and being like, hell yeah, Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah. You know, she says, uh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry for being a mess. You do not need to apologize to us. We are all messes. Cry. You've seen mascara down my face. So this was your life-threatening situation. This was your one. I've had two. Everyone gets at least one. Her so eyebrows you- raise when you say this was your one, but she doesn't comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> She's like, yep. Okay. Well, have have fun getting tacos. Get some rest. And so she hops in the car with Whitaker. Felicity, do you want to say something? Yeah. Oh, Felicity, no. go ahead. No, oh, you just you just, just stretching. stretching. Yes. <laughs> Felicity's just in the back of the car, ready for Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for Taco Bell. See, we have to come up with our in-universe Taco Bell menu items that are different than the real ones in our world. <laughs> oh, it's easy. It has everything on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that was on the menu last month. Right. Give me right. the loaded potato griller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hugo, do you ride with uh, Aiden Whitaker back? Keep your bike. Hugo's actually no, nowhere to be seen. By... He is working four hours. <laughs> what, what is seen, though, is him with his phone out, <clears throat> looking at the group chat, and kind of smiling. Oh. <gasps> We did it. Every session, a day says, you can have a little of Hugo. (laughs) 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 Sorry, Clara, go ahead. I told you. Every session is a Pez dispenser of Hugo's affection. (laughs) Um, um, I think that the next day at the start of his shift at his desk is a cup of Starbucks coffee. It's a chai latte. And it just says Hugo with a little smile next to it. Aw. Okay. A little smiley um, face in the O. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Before we get too far ahead on tomorrow, like the next day, Whitaker, do you want to talk to Aiden about literally yeah. everything? He wants to know what happened. He wants to know what went down. She describes how, you know, she saw people sneaking into Hugo's apartment and that she was worried, so she intervened, and that's when they, like, got her with this trap device. And she describes that and how it seem to uh, attempt to like suck away enough of her essence 
in an attempt to like banish her. I imagine on a, well, most other things it would have succeeded. Again, I, I swear I'm not bragging, but I am just different. So it couldn't work. That being said, he managed to adapt them very quickly once they had me brought in and restrained in order to uh, keep trying. That was, that was bad. She kind of goes quiet. Has anything on this scale ever happened before? She thinks for a second. She says, I've been in fights that didn't go my way. This was... Right. <sighs> you have been banished? Is the banishment new? Yeah. He might be going about it the wrong way, but Singh is, uh, I mean, he's a brilliant inventor. He seemed very sure of himself at the very least. Another question, all of that, all that energy that he siphoned off for you, he said he kept it in like canisters or something. What can that be used for? Is that dangerous? Not to you, not to, well, maybe Damien. Essentially, rather than siphoning off a spirit or a demon's energy to banish it, with what he took from me, he can just outright overpower them. Like, like sort of an antimatter situation. Mm, I guess you could use that metaphor. It's, I haven't done it in a while, and she like, her hand glows a little bit. I'm a little out of practice. I haven't really drawn on my abilities to the fullest extent of them in a long time. I guess you could say I need to warm up some more. Don't she, strain yourself. It sort of sounded like the more you use your powers, the more attention you draw, though. That's why I don't. Yeah. So if that's something you can guarantee doing safely without picking up any extra dimensional attention, you being a little more powerful might be a benefit to us. So something like this doesn't happen again. I have a feeling this is just the beginning. So I'm gonna have to get a lot stronger. We all are. <sighs> Did not expect the, um, the, the Nancy Drew trio coming in at the end there, huh? <sighs> I'm scared for them. There's something special about those three. They're relentless, if nothing else. <laughs> they are that. And you know, you can't teach that. You can't teach that. So, I say we... Well, you've actually already been doing some training with them, haven't you? Just a bit. I'm honestly not a great teacher. Well, considering how Felicity now has the power to overturn my trailer, uh, surely there's something good happening there. And if you keep doing your thing, and hopefully they'll let me do mine, we can probably make them a little more capable, a little easier to defend themselves. She seems a little bothered by your mention of Felicity and her power growing and growing and growing. Felicity scares me the most. And that's where we will end tonight's session. 
It's um, just hard cut to the, the everyone else in the car having fun at Taco Bell eating food. <laughs> yeah, she scares me the most. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you know what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what it is? It's like that scene of them at Taco Bell, but this conversation of Aiden and Whitaker overlaid onto the footage of that. The voiceover. Yeah, just that like Felicity scares me the most, and it's like a hard zoom in on Felicity like sharing cinnamon balls with people, (laughs) eating your tacos, (laughs) just having tacos. But like now, there's like a a a high contrast black and white filter over it. Yeah, and the, the footage just starts to like. <laughs> Violins in the background. Yep, yep, yep. And that seems like a good spot to pick up on, and with a new mystery next time. <laughs>